Welcome to RevAmp, the revenue amplification podcast powered by DealHub.io. I'm your host, Gideon Thomas, and we will be speaking to some of the most exciting revenue leaders within the community. Sam Jacobs, welcome to the RevAmp podcast. We're absolutely delighted to have you as a, as a special guest. Um, for those who don't already have the privilege of knowing you, could you just maybe start by introducing yourself, who you are, what your role is, a little bit about what you're doing with your organization? Sure. My name is Sam Jacobs. Thanks for having me, Gideon, by the way. Delighted to be here. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Revenue Collective, uh, Revenue Collective is a, is a community focused on helping our members who are uh, exclusively for now go-to-market executives at high-growth companies, help them achieve their, their professional potential is the way that we frame it, which really just means trying to help people lead meaningful, purposeful lives so that they get what they want from their careers. And how long has the Revenue Collective existed for? We've existed for about seven years, maybe mm-hmm. eight. Um, it started in New York. I'm in New York recording this in Manhattan. <laughs> and it was originally called the New York Revenue Collective because okay. I, I didn't have any kind of world dominating aspirations. We gave it a name in 2016 and then it was just like a Google group and still just in New York. And then uh, people started reaching out to me and hearing about it from all over the world and asking if they could start chapters. And so I, I had assumed that each city in the world already had like a sales executive club or a marketing executive club. And it turns out that it didn't, they didn't. And so we started growing from there. We first, it was free initially. We started charging dues January 1st, 2018. And I started working on it full time in December of 2018. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, you know, now it's what I do. And in the last couple of years, the world has been through significant changes and, and so have the revenue leaders around the world. What have you noticed or taken note of as you've been uh, as you've been leading the Revenue Collective? Has there been some significant changes of mindset or maybe new issues that you've come across now that you're able to articulate? Perhaps I think uh, I don't know if there are new issues. They are uh, they are issues that have been underscored and accentuated. And I think that what I what I'm referring to is the feeling people have in the course of their professional lives. I mean, maybe they have it. Maybe there's a sense of uh, detachment or, um, you know, disassociation or aloneness or separateness that exists just generally in the world today right. uh, because of how technology makes us feel or how disconnected we feel from our fellow human beings. But particularly, and obviously over the course of the last year, as we've all been cooped up in our homes, particularly over the last year, I think there's a sense of Um, uncertainty, a greater sense of uncertainty. It's not that the world was ever certain. It's that many of the guide rails and the structures that have created, and some people frankly don't, you know, are are delighted to have the removal of all kinds of structure and um, kind of traditional narrative from their lives, right? Like you go to work at a company, my parents, for example, my parents worked in the foreign service for the United States, uh, you know, the state department of the United States. They, um, They, that's basically where, that's the only place my mom has meaningfully worked. Uh, she, uh, she retired after that. And now she's, you know, on the board of a bunch of nonprofits and stuff like that. But basically they each worked there about 30 years and then, you know, did some things leading to retirement and now are retired, but that's not the world as it is today. In fact, it's not even the, the foreign service or the world of the state department as it is today, because people are joining much later in their lives. So there's no, 
there's no certainty. That doesn't mean there's no opportunity. I'm not saying that it's all bad. It's just that there's more variability than there ever has been. And I think that people's sense of seeking and, and wanting community, but not just like community for its own sake, comfort and reassurance that they are not alone, that they are with their fellow kindred spirits mm-hmm. and that they are moving in a purposeful direction. Uh, because I think, you know, opportunity is amazing. And again, like I said, there's not, it's not just downside that there's like no, that traditional structures are being eroded and dissolving. It's just that, it's just that, uh, that it can be scary for a lot of people and like figuring out who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do every day? How do I define myself? If those things are evaporating, then people are kind of desperate or maybe desperate too strong a word. Maybe it's not too strong a word. I think it depends on the human, but the people are seeking comfort they are seeking purpose and direction and they're seeking support and guidance Mm -hmm. that being said i um of course you know that i that i've experienced the revenue collective and uh and there's been a few revelations from from being a part of that of perceptions that i had versus realities that you've kind of facilitated and, and unlocked and i think in the uh in the preparation for the call one thing that you shared that was interesting to me was the percept the, the perception of what the modern day chief revenue officer is versus the reality um in your own words how would you express what that role is today and and maybe the uh, some of the, the current challenges that they face well, I think, um, you know, to your point, Gideon, the biggest challenge, I think, and it's not just for chief revenue officers, it's true for chief marketing officers, it's true for any person working, but like, let's take CROs as an example. The biggest challenge is that there's no concrete specific definition. So first okay. of all, it's not even clear that CRO, who are they responsible for? If you ask some people, they'll say CRO has emerged to become uh, definitionally the head of of, uh, of like the broadly defined human driven sales effort, right? So it's the CRO runs account management and they run sales and they're essentially a very senior expensive version of the person overseeing those departments. There's another world. And in fact, don't quote me, but I do believe that the role originally emerged from media. And I do believe that CROs originally were always responsible for marketing, but hmm. I don't believe that that's even that's not even like, it's not just that it's not true or it's true sometimes, but really the majority of CROs in the, in the modern era are not responsible for marketing. So figuring out, and then it's like, well, does customer success report into the CRO or does customer success report up through a chief customer officer? I can tell you having been a CRO multiple times, I at first really wanted the title and then I would be in meetings with important customers and it just did not strike the right tone that I was, my, my title was, you know, I'm the person here to collect the money as opposed to I'm the person here to make you happy. So in many ways, right. I would prefer a chief customer officer title versus a chief revenue officer title. But this is all a very long-winded way of saying that there's no common definition of even the core responsibilities. And then within, if we, uh, as they say, double clicked on that, there's no common agreement or consensus on the way, let's assume we all agree that the CRO is responsible for customer success, account management, and new business. Mm-hmm. There's no common definition around, well, what are all the elements? What are all of the elements that go into making uh, that person effective? Like, what are all the things that they're supposed to know? Are they supposed to know 
territory design? Are they supposed to be able to design an SDR comp plan? Are they supposed, what, what level of awareness or affinity are they supposed to have for marketing? What's their perspective on demand generation? Where do they think demand comes from? And have they been trained to understand that, you know, maybe hiring salespeople isn't the best way to generate demand. Maybe the best way to generate demand is to get more Gideon Thomases in their business and hmm. invest more in marketing. So, and then, you know, we, uh, and I'm, of course, this is like me, uh, elliptically in the as 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 tends to happen in the modern content area you know talking my book but like also what are the foundational sets of knowledge that they have we teach this thing it's uh, in revenue collective called cro school because we're trying to help people answer that question we're trying to say here's 16 things that you need to know in order to be effective cro and the first place we start is like well what's your theory of what makes a company valuable in the first place because isn't it's like amazingly shocking to realize that many people become quite senior in their careers without ever having taken the time to think about why does one company work versus another beyond while well, they happen to raise more money. But like, mm -hmm. what, what is it that generates enterprise value? What does that phrase mean and how is it generated? So um, anyway, that's, that's my, I guess the point is that, you know, that's some of the confusion that arises just from the job itself, which is, so if you can imagine that the sales executive or, you know, us as operating executives, we don't know what that means. You can also imagine that founders and CEOs, they don't know what it means either because nobody clearly told them. So I think part of, you know, what we're trying to do is help first establish a clear definition of what the responsibilities are and then make sure that people feel empowered and supported that they, that they have the answers to that test so that they're not doing it all on their own for the first time inevitably you know putting their lives and their career in jeopardy because they've making common mistakes that could have been avoided so with a c-level role like that do you find that they're likely to share best practice and experiences with other cro's that might be counterintuitive i feel like sharing and caring goes on more the in kind of the more junior roles as you're working your way up the ladder but once you get to the top it becomes a bit more competitive how do you bring down those maybe barriers so that there can be collaboration uh within a role that's somewhat uncharted well i think you know fundamentally it depends on your worldview like it depends you know it depends on where you're where you grew up mm. <laughs> like you know what the culture i don't believe most of the time the, the reality is that i mean i believe this about anything i believe this about my own company you know people oftentimes are like well you send me your financials I mean, not that many people ask, but I don't, I, you know, it's not like I need an NDA for, to tell you about my business, to tell you what we're doing, because I don't believe that telling you is as effective as doing it. And I feel like execution is more important than ideas. So most of the time, at any rate, the point is this, if you believe that the world is zero sum, then you're going to probably agree with sort of the premise of your question, which is that, you know, sharing things means that like I'm not less likely to get the job if I tell Sally how to do the job, then she's going to compete with me. And I want to make sure I preserve all the information and knowledge for myself. Right. We, you know, we are specific, explicitly projecting a message to the world, I hope. And, you know, we will continue to do so and hopefully amplify that message that the world is not zero sum. That's not how the universe actually works, that there's infinite energy and infinite opportunity out there. And that, um, most of the time, uh, we're not competitive. Most of the time, we're not competing with each other. You know, sometimes we are. Sometimes we are in direct competition. If you're Gong, yes, you are directly competing with Chorus. If you are, you know, Salesforce, right. you're directly competing with HubSpot. But most of the time, you're not. Most of the time, you're not. And so what we try to say is, hey, 
within our community, like we believe that the world is not zero sum. We believe that you're gonna accrue greater advantage to yourself and to you know your career if you generally look to help people as opposed to looking to preserve or hoard knowledge. And so, you know, frankly, like when you join Revenue Collective, that's the philosophy that I believe that I'm trying to build into the company, which is like, listen, this is not this the whole point of this thing is sharing. If you don't want to share, then it's probably not for you. Mm-hmm. I can buy into that some in my own kind of personal experience. I moved, you know, I'm not originally from uh, from Tel Aviv or Israel. I'm originally uh, from from the UK. Uh, before living in the U.S. for a couple of years, and and it was shocking to me over here because the uh, in the marketing leadership kind of forums, they just freely share. Everybody's freely sharing like really practical go-to-market how-tos. Here's who I use. Here's my contacts. Here's how I did it. Here are the KPIs. Whatever you can imagine, if you can, if you're smart enough to be able to ask the question, there's somebody equally there ready to share with you. And it was completely alien to what I was used to. And I would say that in probably two couple of years. I probably absorbed enough and, and obviously practiced it at the same time. It's, it's, it's been like fast forwarding 10 years with it within two years because there was such freedom of access to information because people were so secure in their own shoes that they believed we go to market faster when we share and collaborate as opposed to when we kind of do things in isolation. And I think what I like from your, uh, from your thread today or from your conversation today is the idea that when you go to market faster and you're learning faster, you start to you start to flourish. Like you start to really enjoy what you do because you're actually seeing the quick fruits, the turnaround, the impact that you're making. And hopefully, uh, again, when you're securing your own shoes, you realize that other people could do the same things, but probably not the same way. Like you realize that your personality or your decision making is probably part of the X factor in all of that, and therefore, no two people will make the two two set of uh, decisions identically the same. Uh, and there isn't too much to fear. So I, I can identify that from the worldview that I come from uh, within marketing and, and kind of support that. And then I'll tie that back to the conversation thread here to say that um, out of one of the initiatives I've done with the Revenue Collective, where we've been kind of doing a bench, benchmark report, uh, including a lot of CROs, it was really interesting for me to challenge my perception with the reality that was uncovered, which was, I believe that all CROs when coming to the table knew 95% of the information out there about technology and KPIs and benchmarks and everything else that that was imaginable and only came in when they were actually uh, ready to let you into their worldview. The reality was those CROs were, like you said, um, dealing with uncharted waters at times and, and a moving landscape and were actually looking for people to have genuine conversations with um who were both authentic as well as obviously being able to uh, deliver some value and getting into technical demonstrations and all that was just not where they were at because they had to deal with higher philosophical issues or strategic issues um and wanted to have a genuine conversation with somebody that would uh that would support that because naturally it is it is an, sometimes a role of isolation if it's uh, especially if it's new and uh, so I'll definitely support that. And then what I saw recently is the amount coming out of like a bit of the downturn from COVID last year. I'm seeing that so many companies right now in the last few months uh, are starting top down. They're hiring CROs uh, and kind of getting some of the leadership pieces in place, like almost in the Re- RevOps, sales ops kind of ecosystem I've seen 
something like 40% of new hires have been CRO. It's not like a bottom-up build. It's like a top-down leadership build. So I see that the demand is on the increase uh, for, for this role that we've discussed so far, uh, which means by virtue, there are going to be more and more people that are dealing with uncharted uh, water because there's no way that that many are being born overnight. Uh, so some people are going to be promoted into that role and, and everything that goes with that. So, um, so yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to know also what 2021 looks like for you. Uh, you mentioned the CRO school being one kind of value add play that you're contributing. Is there anything other than that, that you, uh, that you have on the landscape for 2021 that you think will help to shape this space? Well, I mean, I think again, like, here's what here's the 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 worldview right like here's the perspective and the philosophy that that we're operating against the world is more uncertain than it's ever been people are dealing it's not just zeros all of us in our professional lives are dealing with challenges and problems that don't have a specific correct answer and have a lot of optionality there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of risk and so when we look at or when i look at platforms that exist to specifically help people like address these challenges as humans. I see so many people that come at it, you know, and I use this word a lot, but like elliptically, maybe a different way to say it is orthogonally, if I can just use like two different things that way. <laughs> but uh, but they, they come at it from like a strange perspective that's sort of divorced of kind of uh, the human experience. So, you know, there'll be people talking about elevating the profession of sales. It's like, I don't, uh, I don't really give a shit about elevating the profession of sales or elevating any particular profession. What I care about is helping human beings succeed and like having, helping people live lives that are fulfilling and meaningful. And right. so what, I don't see companies that specifically come at it that personally with that much kind of soul and spirit. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to inject like true caring, true compassion into the business and help people navigate what is a really difficult uh, world. So what does that mean in practice for our roadmap? It just means that's the guiding light. The guiding light is like, what do people need in their jobs and in their professional lives so that they can come home and sleep well and be good partners to their spouse mm. uh, and, and be happy or, you know, at least begin to discover how to be happy. And that means, um, so one part of that is just access to a community. And so, you know, people, whether they're in Tel Aviv or anywhere else in the world, that they have somebody to ask questions to that they feel cares about them and will also willingly also answer those questions. And as you said, Gideon, you know, that, that, creates, um, that creates a culture, right? Like, so you experience all these people helping you. Now you want to go out and find people to help because you feel a sense of obligation. So if we just do that, we'll be doing a lot of really good work. But then there's the fact that all of these jobs are new. It's not just CROs, it's CMOs, et cetera. And all of the skills required in those jobs, oftentimes, you know, whether it's postgraduate education or any kind of like MBA, that it's just not immediately clear, eminently clear how to do these things or how to specifically do them. Like not just like, what is the word, what does demand generation mean? So we will be building more and more programs to help people be great in their jobs. And that, so we've got CRO school, uh, we've got in the pipeline, uh, enterprise go-to-market school, CMO school, customer success school, RevOps school, all of these led by practitioners and designed by practitioners so that people feel like whatever job they have. And then next year, you know, it'll be CFO school, COO school. So mm -hmm. again, another job that nobody knows. What does COO mean? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Mm -hmm. There's not one definition. So we're going to be investing a lot in learning. 
And then, you know, the final piece of it uh, is, is career services, which is just a way of saying like helping people figure out how to negotiate, giving people access to coaches and mentors, giving people access to, you know, resume review services, but just making sure that people feel like they are in a place where they can take advantage of all their knowledge because they have a good visibility on the labor market and the set of opportunities, both for themselves and people that might, they might want to hire. So mm -hmm. that's kind of how, um, you know, how, how I think about it. Uh, last thing I guess I'll say is that the word collective is a word that we will probably be, I mean, probably is like a, we will definitely be retiring. We, okay. will, we will be changing our name because the word collective is a little too defensive. It's a little too insular. It's about like banding together. For me, it evokes like in opposition to, and you know, the brand and the community that we're building is not really about us against anybody. It's really about helping each person become, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but the best version of themselves. And so we right. will be rebranding over the next couple of months to better reflect what we're trying to do. You know, Sam, everything that you shared today made sense, but underneath all of it was this deep rooted set of values that you hold uh, and that you articulated about human flourishing and many other things that wouldn't normally be surfaced in a conversation about CROs and everything that kind of goes with our sales ops, rev ops in that space. Like, is it on your roadmap to also do something that shares the kind of the value set of leaders, professional leaders and that professional responsibility in whether B2B or, or whatever it may be in kind of modern day technology leadership? Do you see that possibility as well to actually share the core values that help inform people besides the besides the, the end skill, the execution skills as well? Because it seems that in this day and age, people are dealing, as you said, with isolation. Some people will be dealing with depression. Some people will be dealing with burnout. Some people will be uh, you know, dealing with uh, instability maybe in their, their job or profession. There's a whole lot of wellness needs uh, psychologically. And it seems that you're sitting on a deep-rooted uh, kind of value set that's informed everything that you're doing have you ever considered bringing that to the surface and just do, teaching that as a as a class or a syllabus as well the uh the thinking that goes and underpins everything absolutely yes and in fact you know we have a framing your career workshop that kicks off all of our learning programs and that's part mm -hmm. of what we talk about is you know, the journey that I've been on about how to find happiness, like what does happiness mean? How do you discover it? What's, what's inside? And um, yes, I'm even writing a book about it. So absolutely, we want to bring the values to the surface more and more, mm -hmm. which is why like today we talk about professional happiness. Maybe one day we just drop the professional modifier and just talk about happiness in general. But, hmm. So Sam, um, thank you. And, and just before we, we finish up here, I... Um, I've does, done this in every kind of uh, interview on the RevAmp uh, podcast today, and I've asked you to share with the audience perhaps something that people wouldn't know about you through your LinkedIn profile, et cetera, something that that maybe uh, is particular to you, whether that be a, a hobby or a life experience or a unique identifier. Uh, and, I, and I've heard just about every answer right now from from people kind of donating blood to, to cancer victims to... Uh, one person doing 10,000 steps as a day, which started out as a, a dare five years ago, and he hasn't stopped. Um, a lot of these uh, great leaders out there have have unique quirks. Is there anything about you that I can learn today beyond uh, your professional persona? Well, it's on my LinkedIn profile. It's just at the bottom, and there's a bit of an Easter egg because I make a little joke about it. But um, 
my, I, I mean, I think this is probably one of the probably more common uh, things to learn about people, but my background is in, uh, is in music actually. Okay. And uh, I first started running a record label 25 years ago and then, um, and then became a recorded musician myself. Mm. So if you want to go on Spotify, you can. And I have like a rock band called Lipstick Without the C, which I regret naming it that, but it is what it is. And then, uh, and that album is called Everything is Good. And then, um, and then I moved to more like kind of orchestral chamber pop. So like uh, just bringing in like an oboe player and a sax player and, a, you know, 15 people on a very small stage. And that's called The Flying Change. So something unexpected about me is that now, the way I say it is, I don't think that I should have been, you know, Beck or U2 or something, but it's more, I'm one of the better, that guy in the, uh, in, in my office is in a band, like that kind of person. I'm one of the better types of those people that you'll come across. Like it's reasonably good music. <laughs> Quality. Thank you so much, Sam. Really appreciate everything about you. Uh, wishing you tons of success and, and also everybody that's a part of the Revenue Collective, uh, uh, and, and whatever the name will be uh, this year, I'll look out for that in the uh, in the coming weeks and months. Thanks a lot, Gideon. Great being here.